Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. I just want to tell you folks that Chip is among my five favorite pastors in the association. I would tell you that he was my favorite, but that would make 166 others mad. (laughs) If I say he's one of the five favorites, the other 165 all think they're one of the other four. (laughs) I'm so glad to be back at Westport Road Baptist Church. I'm so glad I can remember where I am on Sunday morning. I asked the pastors when I announced my retirement if I could come. I told them I'm going to do a farewell tour. I've got a goodbye sermon. And uh, uh, Diane's heard it about four times already. And I've heard it a whole lot more than that. But here's what I found out. Not all 166 of them responded. But the best looking and smartest ones did. <laughs> I, I do appreciate Chip and all that he's done. He's, he's been very active in our association. I appreciate you and your great giving to the association because we've been on your heart. Vicki, when she was associational WMU president, planned a whole meeting in honor of me, and I appreciate that. She slipped that up on me. Uh, they kept asking me what my favorite songs and things were like that, and I thought, well, that's, I'm really glad they're interested in those things, but they sang those songs that night. So, And the very first voice I ever heard from Louisville, Kentucky, was Joe Childs, and I came anyway. <laughs> Joe and his wife have been dear friends all of these years that we've been here, We appreciate them so very much, as we do all of you. Now, those of you who are timing, don't don't count this against my time. Chip told me I had to be done by 1030 in the early service, but you people would stay all day. So (laughs) I remember when I, I think it was the first Southern Baptist Convention that Diane and I ever attended. It was in Miami Beach, Florida. And... um, Dr. R.G. Lee preached at the pastor's conference. He was in his 80s at that time. And uh, when he stood up and began, he said, Now, those of you who are time conscious, this is my last time to ever speak at the Southern Baptist Convention. So if you're concerned about time, do not look at your watch. Look at your calendar. And he went on then for about an hour or longer. Of course, when R.G. Lee preached, it seemed like 15 minutes. When I preach, it will sound like it's longer and longer. But I'm starting now. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for these, your people who love you, who assemble and worship and praise you. We thank you for the excellent leadership you've given them, the missionary heart. We pray, Father, that... You'll speak to each of our hearts this morning. We know you want to, if we're willing. So we pray now, Father, 
for our willingness to hear a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought I probably needed a text and a subject if I was going to preach a farewell sermon. I was uh, helping an older, elderly gentleman, anybody's elderly who's 25 years older than me. If you're my age, you're not elderly. But he, uh, he and I walked out to the car, and a very pleasant gentleman. And I said to him as I was leaving, Sir, you have a blessed day. He looked at me, a big smile came, and he said, Sir, I don't, even have, I don't have any choice but to have a blessed day. And I thought, man, that's the greatest testimony I've ever heard. Then I read about Paul. He was in prison. He wasn't in a glamour slammer. They didn't send his meals in from a special restaurant. He didn't even have indoor plumbing. And he was probably about three layers down, so everything that smelled bad to other two levels always came down there too. He didn't have any air conditioning. He didn't have any heat. And he was chained 24 hours a day to a guard. And he's, he said, man, I am so blessed to be here. And I wonder why Paul felt so blessed to be there. Then I read the first chapter of Philippians. And what was blessing his heart even there was from time to time, the Philippians would come to his mind. They were always in his heart. And when they would come to his mind because they were in his heart, he would pray for them. And he wrote that letter to them. That the scholars say is his favorite church because of the way he introduces himself and the things he says in that letter. And I began to think, what we have enjoyed together over these 17 and a half years is the fellowship of joy divine. In his little epistle, 1 John, John told us how fellowship works. He said, because we walked with him and touched him and felt him and heard him and accepted him as the Lord of lords and King of kings, we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given us this ministry of sharing that fellowship with others. So that we go forth and tell other people, you know, you can have fellowship with God himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, here's what happens then. When two people who have a right relationship with Jesus Christ get together, then they can have fellowship with each other. And that fellowship is a fellowship of joy divine. And I want you to notice three things that Paul mentions in this letter to the Philippians about what fellowship produces among believers. The first thing he talked about is that fellowship builds relationships. In verses 1 and 2, he names four different kinds of relationships that are built through the fellowship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and with each other. Look at how he begins this. He begins by talking about the slave relationship. 
Now, you're familiar with most of the epistles that Paul wrote. He usually says something like this. The Apostle Paul, not called by man or appointed by man, but appointed and called by God himself. I say to you, kind of gets to the point about his authority of who he is and that he's speaking for God. But listen here to this introduction. Timothy and Paul, slaves of Jesus Christ. He said our relationship with him is that of a slave to a master. He is the master. He gave his blood to redeem us. He purchased us with his blood. And he is our absolute Lord and our absolute master. And we're just his slaves. And he didn't use the word diakonos, a minister or slave. He didn't talk about one of the hired servants that the prodigal son's father had. He talked about a bond slave, a doulos in the Greek, who is absolutely, totally dependent and under the mastership of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Fellowship builds that kind of relationship. Now look at who the slave is writing to. The slave to the saints at Philippi. You and I are saints if we're in Jesus Christ. Over 60 times in the New Testament, believers referred to each other as the saints. Meaning that they're not perfect, but there's nothing holy about them, but that God has set them aside. And call them his holy people. Dedicated to following him. Then he, he talks about a servant relationship. He said that there are some among you saints. Whom God has raised up. To be overseers or leaders or pastors. He hasn't called them up to lord it over you, but to equip you to do your work of ministry as a saint. And joining that servant are other servants that we call deacons or diakonoses, those who raise dust in their haste to help someone else. So when you're fellowshipping together... Those relationships began to develop. But then he says there is the Savior relationship that is built by fellowship too. Gordon Fee, a a prolific Bible scholar, has an apt definition of grace and peace. In our relationship with the Savior... We are beneficiaries of his grace. Gordon Fee said, Grace is the totality of everything that a benevolent, loving, graceful God does for his people. And then he says, Peace is the combination of all the gifts and benefits that followers of Jesus Christ receive through their fellowship relationship with him. Isn't it great 
that we can be in a relationship with God himself and he is fellowshipping with him builds those relationships. Now, the second thing Paul said to the Philippians is that fellowship also produces responses. When you're in fellowship with God and with others, you're going to respond to them. He responded to them by writing this letter. He responded to them by praying for them. You respond because you're thankful. Helen Keller said she was thankful for her handicaps. She said if it had not, not, if it had not been for her handicaps, she would not have known who she was, what her work was, or who her God was. A little bit on a different note, a little boy said he was thankful too. He was thankful for his glasses. He said, number one, those glasses keep the boys from hitting me. And number two, they keep the girls from kissing me. (laughs) I got a feeling he changed his mind about the second part of that. But Paul says, when, when I think of you at Philippi, I have you in my heart. I have you in my head. And I have you in my prayers. So when I think of you, I begin to pray for you. In verses 3 through 11 are two prayers that Paul prays. One is a prayer of praise. And here's what he praises God for. First, he praises God for the participation of the Philippians in the proclamation of the gospel. From the very first day they heard it, even until this day, when he walked among them, And when he was far away from them. One scholar says the miles that they were apart just increased and magnified the intensity of the fellowship they were having with each other. So he prays for them. He prays for their participation. Do you remember how Paul became a participant with the Philippians? He was on a missionary journey and he was kind of making up his mind about where he was going and he decided to go in one direction. But the Holy Spirit said, you can't go there. Well, they decided, here's another field over here, I'll go this way. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there. And he had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And aren't you glad that he said yes immediately? Because he brought the gospel to Europe and through our forefathers and spread out from Europe around the world. Now, the first place that Paul visited in Macedonia was Philippi. Usually Paul, when he began work in a city would find a synagogue and begin teaching there until they ran him out. That didn't take very long. Paul was not really popular in the synagogues for a very long period of time. There being no synagogue there, he heard that there were a group of women meeting outside the city, praying and seeking God. So he went out and preached to them the gospel, and the, the whole group accepted the Lord. 
Lydia, one of the ladies who was out there, and her household, whole household accepted the Lord. And she was a lady of means, and she said to Paul's missionary team, you will come and stay in my house as long as you're a missionary here. So Paul began to preach in Philippi. It didn't take long. So they had drug him down and beaten him and thrown him into jail, and he had to leave town. But that was the beginning of his ministry in Philippi. Well, wherever Paul went after that, these Philippians didn't forget him. They sent money to him. They sent their buckets and shoeboxes. Wherever Paul was, whatever he needed, they responded to him. They sent so much that he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and following, that these Macedonians gave with such liberality, we almost begged them not to give. But they said, don't stop us from giving. It's a joy that we have of giving. So they continually were giving. They even sent one of their best members to make sure he was all right in the Roman jail. So from the very beginning that they heard the gospel until the moment that Paul wrote these letters, they were participating with him in the spreading of the gospel. He also thanked God that there was a work of perfection going on in them. God wants to work a work of perfection in us. We'll never be perfect, but he wants to sanctify us and make us more like Jesus every day. And the only thing that hinders that is our willingness. He wants to do that in our lives. But these people had been willing for God to transform them into what he wanted them to be. So we offered that prayer of praise. But he also offered a prayer of petition. Now, it's interesting to read Paul's prayers and see how he prayed for others. He prayed for them for three specific things. The first was he prayed that their love would grow in knowledge and in discernment. He's saying, I'm praying that you will learn more and more about what this agape love really is. That is not a love of your emotion, but it's a love of your will. It's your learning to say, regardless of what you've done to me, I'm going to give the very best that I have to you in return. And it's a love of discernment that means anyone is deserving that you love them. So he prayed that their love would grow. Then he prayed that their life would show. He said that when you come to stand before him on that great day, your life would show that there's been no hypocrisy or difference, that your faith and fellowship has been genuine with the Lord. Then he prayed that their Lord would, would glow. What does that mean? Well, all that he did was to glorify the name of Jesus. And he's praying for them that their life will so show Christ that the Lord Jesus will be glorified by what they do. Then there's a third thing that he tells us. And that is... Fellowship produces rewards. Now, Paul really felt like in that prison where he was, 
that he was being rewarded. You know, whether or not you feel rewarded depends on what rewards you. And what was rewarding Paul was the gospel was being proclaimed. His focus was on Jesus. And even there in that prison, he said, I am being rewarded greatly by God because the gospel is being proclaimed throughout Rome. Now, there's three things I want you to notice about First of all, he said, I feel rewarded in spite of my chains. 24 hours a day, he was chained to a Roman soldier. They were members of the famous Praetorian Guard. Now, out of mercy for the soldiers, they changed his guard every four hours. Can you imagine being a lost person and being chained to Paul for four hours? The gospel you were going to hear in four hours. But every four hours, a new soldier came. Paul said, I'm rewarded because now the whole Praetorian Guard knows about Jesus Christ. And they've gone out and told others, and the whole city is hearing about Jesus Christ in spite of my chains. I'm not able to go out and walk up and down the street. But God's given me these missionary soldiers to send out there and tell about Jesus. And he said, those that are being converted are sharing the gospel with boldness so that the whole city is hearing. So he said, I'm being rewarded in spite of my chains. Then he says, I'm being rewarded in spite of my critics. I know you look at me and see how in the world could I have critics. I never will forget uh, the day I found out I did. I had had a few clues of it before I was even called to preach. But I remember in the church, uh, Diane and I left Mississippi. We'd never been very far from home at all. Went all the way to Fort Worth, just the two of us. Then spent three years in seminary there and came back to a little church in Tennessee. And I thought, you know, I grew up in a church that loved pastors and everything. And I was expecting that, you know. These people are going to appreciate that I've studied seven years to come and be their pastor. And some of them didn't care at all. They already... <laughs> I found out they knew more about it than I did. And they they never had even read a page in a commentary. But Paul had some critics. There were some probably pastors who had been there before he came, who had a ministry going, and everybody was talking about this great apostle, and uh, they were kind of putting him down. Paul said, it doesn't matter. What they say about me, they still preaching Jesus and people are being saved. So in spite of my critics, I'm being rewarded. And then he said, in spite of my crisis, I'm being rewarded. Paul literally did not know whether he was going to survive a trial that he was about to appear in. He didn't know but what his life would be taken. So he was in a real crisis. But listen to it. You know, because of your prayers and because of the work of the Spirit, I'm going to be all right. 
Because if I'm set free, you know, I'm still going to be for Christ. And if I die, I'm going to go be with him. How can I lose? So he was rewarded, even in his crisis. There was a gentleman who lived many years ago, pastored a little rural church in England. We wouldn't know him if he hadn't written a few words that you'll know. But he was called a larger church in the city. He felt he should go. But on the last day he was there, his wagon was loaded with all his earthly goods. And his family were sitting with him in the front of the wagon. They drove back down to the church. And all the members were there to say goodbye. Everybody was crying and sharing their testimonies. And after a period of time, his heart was turned. And he told the men, would you help us unload our furniture? We're going to stay. And he stayed in that little church the rest of his ministry. And we would never have known him if he hadn't written these words. Blessed be the time that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of joy divine is like to that above. Do you have that fellowship yourself? Do you have a fellowship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life when you've received him as your Lord and Savior and publicly proclaimed that faith to others? Are you in the right fellowship with your fellow believers? Or have there been things that have torn you apart recently? Do you need to fix that relationship? You can't fix that one till you fix the one with Jesus. If you're out of fellowship with each other, you're not in right fellowship with Jesus. So this morning I encourage you, if you've never received Jesus or publicly professed your faith in him, to come front as we sing in a few minutes. Brother Chip will be here to help you. If you want to place your life and membership in the fellowship of this church, you come. He'll be here to help you. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing. As God has spoken to your heart to make decisions you've made publicly, then you come. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy divine of fellowship that we have with you and with each other. And we pray, Father, that in these moments we will allow your spirit to convict our minds and hearts concerning the decisions we need to make publicly. And we pray, Father, that we'll listen to your spirit as he gives directions now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, 
MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.